thank you. It's good to be with you guys. We're going to get into the Word of God. If you'd like to open up to Acts chapter 17. And then we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians. So two passages and you're going to need uh, a finger in both uh, in your Bibles because we're going to be back and forward uh, between the two. Acts uh, 17. This is Paul as he uh, goes into uh, Thessalonica. I'm just going to read the first four verses of this and then we're going to jump uh, to 1 Thessalonians. So if you have a Bible, if you don't have a, a proper Bible, maybe you can look at one on your phone. Uh, and just to follow it, because uh, it's good to be in the Word of God uh, together and seeing for yourself what I'm saying is true. Uh, I'm just not making it up, because you've got, got it in front of you. So Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 1. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and not a few prominent women. And then let's turn to 1 Thessalonians. And this is Paul writing to the uh, church there that had been established from that uh, initial time that he had with them. Uh, Timothy had went, gone along and, uh, and seen how the church was getting on. He reported back to Paul and he was writing this letter from that. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to read the whole chapter. Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Amen. Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, open these words to us, reveal uh, and inspire us uh, with these truths, Lord, we pray. And help us uh, to be living for you. We've been singing about living for you. Help us, Lord, to live for you. And uh, what we learn from your word will just encourage us to be bold this week for the sake of your gospel. 
Amen. And so, what I'm going to be um, sharing with you is um, some things around these two passages which will just help us to have a process of what it means to be a witness for Jesus. What does it mean for everyone here, everyone who's following Jesus here, to be a witness for him? What do we do? How do we do it? And what's the process that we follow? And it's a, a process that we find in Scripture. We find it here in Paul, and we find that Jesus did exactly this as well. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on the first couple of bits of the process, and then maybe a little bit quicker through the rest of it, um, because I think the first two are for all of us. When we have a, 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 a title, everyone a witness, we mean everyone. Okay? Uh, this is not just for the evangelist uh, or those that, that are outgoing. You know? This is for all of us. And I want to show you how Paul uh, came for the, Paul lived for the gospel. He, he, that was it. He would, he would live and die for the gospel so that the good news would be preached. You know, he'd go to places for the gospel. You know, he would connect with people for the gospel. And, and we need to be more like that. So that. Everything we do is for the gospel. For the gospel. And so, first of all, we see how Paul entered. Uh, we read in Acts uh, 17. They came uh, to Thessalonica. Uh, so they went into a new town, a new city. They entered. And, and if we're going to connect with people, we've got to go. We've got to enter. And uh, we've got to connect with them. It's no good. And, and, and it's no good just meeting as Christians all the time and not meeting with anybody else. Because we're not entering into that which God has given to us. And so we see in, in 17, verse 1, he entered. And then also notice in, in 1 Thessalonians, he said in verse 5, uh, that um, you know how we lived among you for your sake. And so there's this thing that, that Paul entered this city, but then shared his life with these guys. You know, it says in chapter 2, uh, we loved you so much, verse 8, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share not only the gospel with you, but our lives as well. And, and there's something about coming into a situation and building relationships and, and living amongst people for the gospel's sake. So they not only see when we speak and what we do, but they see our very lives. You know, there's nothing worse uh, than hypocrites. You know, if you go out and you speak to people, a lot of people say, oh, the church is just hypocritical. I'm not, I'm not into religion, it causes too many problems. That's what we hear. It causes too many problems with religion. I don't want nothing to do with it. And I say, well, I don't want anything to do with religion either. But, that's a, <laughs> but, but, but this is what the impression that people have. But, but it wasn't with Paul. Paul lived his life out with those he was trying to live, reach. You know, the, the, the gospel was authenticated by the integrity of his life. And that's the first thing I want to say to you guys, is that our lives should be a gospel witness. We, we should be living the gospel. And they will say there's integrity, there's truth, there's honesty, there's love, there's grace, there's something about your life. And we say, oh, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. So Paul not only entered in, but he connected with them as well. He went into the synagogue. He, he, he found this place, as was his custom, and he went into the synagogue and connected with them. And we need to be in places where we can connect with those that are lost. 
This is the first thing we need to do is connect. Enter and connect. And, and for us, that could be in lots of different ways. When we, when we do our training uh, about this, how do we connect with people, we say, well, we've all got people that God has given us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, He has given you a ministry of reconciliation. And so who is it that God has given you? What is the people that he has given you? Well, number one, is any family members that are far from God. Does anyone have any family members that are not following Jesus? Yeah? That's, that's, that's what God has given you. Spend time with them. Connect with them. What about neighbours? Does anyone have a neighbour that's not following Jesus? Yeah? So, again, they've got neighbours around you. Connect with them. Invite them in. What about work colleagues? Uh, you've got work colleagues that, that, that see you five days a week, I expect, and, and you spend a lot of time where they see your lives, but you've got to connect with them. And acquaintances, I love, I mean, I'm a coffee fan, and uh, I, I go to the coffee shop and I try to connect with those people that are serving me coffee. So just, just entering into a new relationship, it's just sometimes just being friendly and smiling and saying, how are you? So we've got a Starbucks in Lakeside that I go to and, um, and the f- people there, uh, uh, I go quite early in the morning so it's not usually very busy. And I say, how are you doing? Have a good weekend. And, and I just start to connect with them. And then of course when the opportunity comes. So, so we believe in the go and tell but also a come and see. So we, we're not, not either or, it's both and. Although I think the weight of the Bible and what Jesus teaches is go and tell. And the weight of the church today is come and see. So I think we've got the weight the wrong way around, but we do need to do both. And so, so when, when we have the opportunity for Alpha, for example, I go to the guys and say, can I just invite you to come and see and, and hear about what we believe? And they were, yeah, we'd love to do that. He didn't turn up, but they'd love to. And then we had Adrian Holloway last week. And again, I just take the opportunity because you're connected with people. And at Christmas, I take another opportunity. To, so you're connecting, you're entering in and connecting. And we see this is what Jesus did it. He went into a town and he started to heal the sick. When you come and pray for those to be healed, that's an entry point. That's a connection for the sake of the gospel. We have some guys um, in our town that go uh, do healing on the streets. You might have heard this. They, they just go into the high street, they put a banner up, and say anyone wants uh, to be healed, they, they, they pray for the sick. It's wonderful. And, and they give testimony. There's people have been saved. There's lots of people have been healed. And I say, that's wonderful to see what God is doing. Do you then share the gospel with them? Oh, no. No, we don't do that. So, no, that's an entry point for the gospel. So they're going away healed, but don't know Jesus. I was at one of our relational mission churches and I, I was talking to one of the youngsters there and she said, David, you're so pleased. We were out on the doors. We go, I was out on the doors yesterday. We go out on the doors a lot. And we were out on the doors. I said, well done. What did you do? And we were offering to pray with people. I said, great. And we got to pray with people last week. I said, that's fantastic. Did you then share the gospel? Oh, no, we didn't do that. Okay, so you're going out. You're doing all the hard work, the, cold, the courageous bit. is knocking on the door. You're offering to pray with people. But then you're not telling them about Jesus. You see, these are entry points for the gospel. And we need to enter and we need to connect. But it's for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. It's exactly what we do. We go and knock on the door. Yesterday was in Basildon. We knocked on the door. Hi, we're in the community at the moment. We want to bless the community. Is there anything we can pray for you for? It's a connection point. It's an entry point. And if they say yes, we'll pray with them. And if they receive prayer, we'll then say, can I just share with you how I drew near to God? And we share the gospel with them. Yesterday we were out for about an hour and we, shared, we prayed with three people and shared the gospel with three people and we got an invite back to go back to two houses to carry on discipleship. 
just an hour, just connecting, entering into a new place, connecting with people. So what is the place where God has given you to connect into? What is your field, if you like? What, what, is, what is your sphere that God has given? Because every one of us has a ministry. But it's for the sake of the gospel. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you should see, Jesus did this, the early church did this, and we need to do this. So once we've connected in with people, um, the next thing is that we need to share the gospel. We need to be intentionally connecting people for the sake of the gospel. And, uh, and uh, Paul did this in Acts chapter 17, because he went into the synagogue and he talked to them about Jesus. He explained and proved that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. There's the good news there. He went into the synagogue and he shared the good news. In, in 1 Thessalonians, in verse 5, he says, Our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but it means he did use words, okay? So he spoke the gospel into that. And, and so we see that, that the gospel has to be spoken. Now, you would... You're ahead of me, I expect, on the, on the screen. I've got words, works, and wonders there. But we must speak the gospel. There are those that uh, say to me, David, my life is a witness. I don't need to say anything. I've heard that so many times. I live out the gospel. And, and we should. I mean, I've already said that. That's part of who we are. But then I say, that's great. That's wonderful. How many people have come to you then and say, I've seen how you live. Can you tell me about Jesus? Oh, Nobody. Okay, there's a little bit of a problem then. You know, we're not like Paul and Peter, where our shadows are, are cast out and, and the glory of God, Moses, the glory of God is radiating from us. I, I'm not like that. Some of you might be, um, but but we often have to. We do need to live holy lives and lives of integrity, but we have to sometimes speak and tell people about Jesus. I think it's attributed to Francis of Assisi. Um, when it says, uh, preach the gospel at all times and sometimes use words. I don't think it was Francis of Assisi, but that's who it's attributed to. And that's, I think, it's the worst thing that ever happened to the church. Because it's, it's let us off speaking. You know, we, we, we need to talk about Jesus. What are the things that are, are, are important to us? Well, you've all sung this morning, because I made a note of this. We sang this about Jesus. You're my highest pleasure. You're my life's adventure. Yes? So if Jesus is our highest pleasure, he is our life's adventure, what are we going to talk about all week? The fact that Chelsea won 2-0 yesterday. Maybe. Because our default is not to talk about Jesus. Our default maybe is to talk about the church. To talk about the weather. To talk about other things. My wife... Um, on Friday, went to have her colours done. Okay, uh, and there's some ladies in the church that went to these people, and they they take everything off, no makeup, and they look at your face and they tell you what colours you are, and you're either spring, summer, autumn, or winter, and then they give you a colour match. And what happened? These these ladies in the church did it, and then it was on Facebook. That was, on, and then they told others about it, and then others knew about it, and they were evangelising this this colour thing. And I said, imagine if we did that for the gospel. Imagine if we did that for the gospel. You know that, that Jesus said that the, the gospel is going to be preached to every people group before he comes again. You know that. And there are organisations that track how many people groups have not yet heard about Jesus. And, 
This, this missionary went out to one people group and, and uh, not so long ago had never ever had anyone talk to them about Jesus in the whole of history. And so he, he enters in and he starts to talk to them and he asks them, anyone talk to you about Jesus? No, no they haven't, never heard of Jesus. So, and then the guy says, but you're from the West aren't you? He said, yes. Did you bring any Coca-Cola? <laughs> so they'd heard about Coke but not about Jesus. You see, we, we talk about some things, and some people are even better at evangelizing than the churches. We've lost it. But the early church wasn't like that. Everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. So we need to share the gospel, and we need to use words. Okay? Please use words. Now, I think Sam said, Tom, you're used to the three circles. You've heard the three circles before. This is a tool that we use to share the gospel. It's not the only tool. Yeah, I, I say to people, I don't care what tool you use or how you do it. Three circles, two kingdoms, Roman roads. I don't care what it is. Because it's not the tool that's important. It's the gospel that's important. If you're sharing the gospel and you're fruitful, carry on doing it. If you're not, then find out how to do it and be equipped. We was in our life group. We've got a life group which is all new Christians. And uh, we were looking at the woman at the well. And we were comparing who is qualified to share the gospel we looked at the woman who well been a christian for following jesus for about five minutes you know and then we looked at billy graham uh, and we looked at their character and we looked at their education and their standing in the community and then we said well who is qualified to share the gospel and our answer was everybody so so each one of us and i said so if you're qualified do you feel competent and they said well yeah oh, oh hesitation that's enough let's practice okay and so we got in twos and we practiced sharing the gospel with each other because if we can't practice and be ready to share then what are we going to do when we're out there? When Neil asked me a question, what would you say to a non-believer? It's the gospel. Just give me two and a half minutes of their time and I'll share the gospel with them. That's all you need. And you're looking to enter and connect for the sake of the gospel. And then you use words. I will share the gospel on a Sunday morning with people that turn up at church. If they turn up at church for the first time, then I think they're spiritually open. Why else do they turn up at church? When you come in, first person, how are you? And by the time I spoke to them for a couple of minutes, they've done all the, 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 the normal bits, you know, said, ah, are you following Jesus? That'll be my question within a few minutes. And if they say no, can I just show you what it means to follow Jesus? And I, I just lead people to church, to, in church to Jesus. Because, well, they, well they're open, aren't they? Because they're here. My next question is, have you been baptised? Uh, so, because that's you know, make sure people are, uh, are saved and baptized. So, so we can use it in church. You use it in Alpha. I use it in, in the streets. You use it in cafes. You use it in, in conversations in the workplace. You, you, the gospel should be what we speak about wherever we are, because there are people that need Jesus. So we need to share that. And yes, we need to, our works should reflect this as well. Um, I haven't got time to go over there. But works and wonders, we can see this in this passage. Um, the works that Paul was in was his life. He, he, he go, if in chapter 2, he says, We work day and night in order not to be a burden to anyone. This was his life again, being in integrity. Um, but also being a blessing to the church. We need to bless people. We need to do that. Our food banks, our, our, our shelters, our, our lunch clubs, our coffee mornings. This is all a blessing to the community. But it's for the sake of the gospel. And then signs and wonders. If you won't want one verse to take away with you, take away 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, 
with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Wow. Not only with words, but with power. With the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Are you convicted? Do you know that gospel is good news? You know, I speak to someone and they say, oh yeah, I think, I think so. I think it is. I think that's a... No, it's a deep, deep conviction that this is all we've got to offer to people. What else have we got if it's not Jesus? So we need to share the gospel. So, so we're entering and connecting and we're sharing the gospel. Now, I want to say that these two p- p- things are for everybody. If you're following Jesus, then this is for you. Because he's called us to be witnesses. Okay, this is not left to the few. This is for everyone. So my question to you, before I move on to the last few points, is... Are you intentional about connecting with people for the gospel's sake? Are you competent to be able to share the gospel when God gives you that opportunity? If not, then do something about it. Do something about it. So then we go on, what do we do? When someone gets saved, what happens next? Well, I want to encourage you to disciple them. Now in Acts chapter chapter 17, uh, in uh, verse 4, we see some of the Jews were persuaded... And joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. He stayed with them for three weeks, three Sabbaths, explaining and helping. This is the start of discipleship. When you find someone who turns to belief, stay with that person. I often say that if you if you share the gospel with somebody and then they turn to believe on Jesus, they're a brand new baby Christian. Don't take that baby Christian and put them on the doorsteps of the church and walk away. Because you are responsible to make sure they're discipled. And you should have uh, uh, some idea of what that looks like. Now, if you're really struggling with, I don't know what to do, then speak to one of the elders or speak to someone that you know that will help you do it. But don't just absolve responsibility. Just make sure that they are being discipled. It's a very hard step. I don't want to sugarcoat this. We're in a tough climate for sharing the gospel. It's hard out there. We've seen um, 23 people saved this year. And we are struggling to get them into discipleship. About maybe half we've found have come through to discipleship. It's hard. The climate for hearing the gospel in the UK is tough. But that doesn't mean to say we haven't got to stop sharing. Because that's our obedience to what Jesus told us to do. So Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say go and, and make converts. Go and make disciples. We need to be making disciples. And so we need to disciple people in this. And we see in 1 Thessalonians how Paul did this. He says, um, we, so he made disciples that copied him. If we look at verse 7, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. So when you're discipling somebody, you say, right, just do what I do. Follow me. I'm going to show you what to do. Uh, you follow me and then you do it and so they you model to them what this looks like and they take on everything they, they will do exactly what you do literally they would do it so so they and we will see you see here that as paul connected with the guys in in thessalonica they become like him you became imitators of us and the lord so much so that then they became a model to others you see that in verse 7. And you, so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. 
So Paul came and the message rang out from Paul. He spends time with these guys and teaches them what to do. And then the message runs out, runs out from them. They, they then declare the gospel of God. And not only to Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere, it says. Your faith has been known everywhere. You see, when we're discipling people, we want to disciple them to make disciples. So the first thing we say to our disciples, how do you connect with people? How do you share the gospel with people? And we teach them to do what we're doing. And so discipleship is key. We, we are told, Jesus says, go and make disciples. That's not a suggestion. It's not something to do at weekends. It wasn't just for the few. This is a commandment which we need to obey. The, the American church, when I read about this stuff, on some of their stuff there, they reckon... Uh, this commandment Jesus gives, go and make disciples, they reckon that 98% of Christians have never, ever in their life made a disciple. Now, hopefully it's not the same in the UK, and hopefully it's not the same in this church. Um, but this is, the, this is the core missionary task that God has given his church. Go and make disciples. That's it. And yet, are we doing it? Are we doing it? So Paul commenced discipleship and, and, the, and the disciples got hold of it and they copied him, they did what he did and they soon became a model to others. And so Jesus, when he's praying in, in John 17, he says, I don't only pray for these that are following me now, but for those that will believe because of their message. So Jesus had an expectation that disciples would make disciples. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, Paul says to Timothy, take which which I have taught you with lots of witnesses and teach to Re, uh, reasonable, men, reasonable men who will teach others. Is that right? So you've got Timothy receiving from Paul to Timothy to reasonable men who will teach others. Fourth generation of discipleship. That's what we're looking for. If we're going to make a difference in our generation, in our communities, we need to multiply disciples to the fourth and fifth generation. And we can only do that if we know how to disciple people. And so we've got this process where we're connecting with people, we're entering a new field, we're connecting with people, we're sharing the gospel, and we know how to disciple them. Okay, you see the process so far. And then what happens is, uh, maybe not for everyone, but we will do this, we gather together. We gather church. And in, in Acts 17 we see um, that uh, in verse 7, And Jason has welcomed them into his house. And so Paul had started discipling in Jason's house. And see, so with the commencement of gathering together. And from that, we see the church in Thessalonica come. And that's why he's writing this letter to this church. And so we need to gather people together and establish the church. In chapter 1, verse 1 of Thessalonians, to the church of Thessalonians. So, so we need to gather disciples together. Now, that might be in a house to start. We've got church plants going on here, in coffee shops, in houses. It doesn't matter where. Wherever we gather, we see the church being planted. And that hopefully will grow and grow. And eventually, we will see the church established and planting more churches. Just as we want disciples to make disciples, we want churches to plant churches that plant churches. Let me just take Faversham for you. Faversham, I think, has 20,000 population. Okay? It will do when they've finished those new houses, I expect. So let's take it nice and easy for my mathematics. 
20,000. Now, if I'm going to be very, very generous, I reckon that 5% of people in Faversham are following Jesus. That's been very generous, okay? It will be a lot less than that, I expect. 2%, I expect. But let's say 5%. If it is 5%, that's 1,000 Christians living in this community. But you know what that means? It means there's 19,000 people that are lost, condemned for all eternity. 19,000 people. This is urgent. So not only do we need lots of churches. The average church size in the UK is 50 or 60. We need lots and lots and lots of churches if we're going to reach this community. Let's say we move from 5%, being very generous, to 10%. That's another 1,000 Christians. Now, how many churches will we need just to get to 10% of the population following Jesus? We need to plant lots of churches. And then finally, in this process, what we need to do is to make leaders, to multiply leaders. And we see in Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says to the church, I ask you brothers to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord. And so we see that they had appointed leaders, and that would have been elders in the church there. And we need to multiply leaders as much as we need to multiply disciples. Because we want people to get hold of this and to lead, not just elders, but leadership in every part of church life. So here we see this process. Entering and connecting. Sharing the gospel. Discipleship. Gathering as church. And then the church doing it all over again. Multiplying leaders as we go along. We sang, fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. We all sang that this morning. Is this something that you could give your life to? Is this something you would live for? To see the gospel of Jesus proclaimed to your community. To those people God has given you. Is this something you would die for? We're fortunate in this country. We don't face much opposition. In the Chinese church, one of the first things they do to disciple people is show them how to die well. I think the fastest growing church in Iran is a terrible persecution. We don't face it. When we go, when we go to the door, we, we knock on the door and, and we say we want to pray with you. The worst we get is an apology. Sorry, I'm not interested. <laughs> well, you don't have to apologise. You know, that's, that's what we get. That's the worst we get. But Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. But the labourers are few. There's maybe 50 labourers here. Imagine young and old, if we went this week and shared the gospel with one person, every one of us, one person this week, could you pray for that? God, give me one person to share the gospel with this week. The people that I'm connected to, help me be intentional to open up conversations. We have a, uh, a guy in, in our, our, our small group, he has a Monday and Thursday pattern. Monday morning he goes to work and he asks this question, it's not difficult. 
He says, did you have a good weekend? That's what he says. And then he listens to what they say. And expecting them to ask him, did you have a good weekend? Now, if Jesus is our highest adventure, you know, our highest pleasure and life's adventure, and someone says to you, what did you do this weekend? What are you going to talk about? Jesus. Is that right? <laughs> and then Thursday morning he does the same thing. What did you do last night? Because he was a small group. Uh, and they'll say, I watched Champions League football or whatever. And what did you do last night? Oh, we were at sport. We learned about the woman at well. Do you know that Jesus transformed her life? He has this intentional pattern of looking to be able to share the gospel. Can I just pray for you guys? I want us to know that this is a Holy Spirit ministry. When, when, when Paul says, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. I think, one, we need to be convicted uh, of the, the power of the gospel, but we need the Holy Spirit's help. This is a Holy Spirit ministry. You know, you and I can't save anybody. We're just the people that bring the news, the good news. We're the messengers. You're looking for the Holy Spirit to give you opportunities this week. People that he has prepared, hearts that are prepared, that, that, that are just ready for you to say, can I pray for you? Can I share with you what it means to follow Jesus? Has anybody ever shared with you the gospel of Jesus? You're looking for that person. It's a Holy Spirit work. And then share the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. And once you've shared the gospel, there might be a few questions. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you the answers. This is a Holy Spirit ministry. If we want to be sharing the gospel, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Overflowing with Him. You know, we talk about the Holy Spirit, and I'll finish with this. And, uh, and we, when we say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't often think about witnessing as that's the result. But Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Acts chapter 4 when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church again what happened? they went out and boldly proclaimed the word this is a Holy Spirit ministry the Holy Spirit comes so that we can be witnesses would you like to receive more of the Holy Spirit? would you like to be empowered to be a witness this week? yeah Shall we stand and let us pray and have a, uh, an opportunity just to pray before the Lord, to receive from him, to allow him to, to just put this word into our hearts that this week we will connect with people for the sake of the gospel, that we will have opportunities, Holy Spirit-led opportunities to talk to people about Jesus and that even this week we will see somebody, even if it's just one person, turn and believe on Jesus and start to follow him as their new king. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful?